Welcome to another episode of We Are Carbon. I'm Helen Fisher and I'm joined by Jackson Bazingo, an advocate for regenerative agriculture in Tanzania. So our lives are busy and we get used to hurrying around a shop, grabbing food off a shelf. So there's no wonder that for the most part, people have little concern for the process of growing that food or worrying if it's going to always be available. But for many people around the world, this simply isn't the case. In climates that are less stable, food shortages can't be ignored. And in these regions, people's livelihoods are often dependent upon the output of the land too. Climate change holds such different meaning for all of us. Some debate if it's a myth. Whereas for people like Jackson in East Africa, extreme responses from the land, such as drought, floods and failed crops, which have become rapidly worse in recent years, means there's a very real issue right now. I'm delighted that I was able to connect with Jackson. His story inspires us to learn from those who are already having to find their way through these challenges. And I think no matter where we are in the world, it highlights what is becoming an undeniable connection between the way that we treat our soil and the resilience that we have within our food supplies. It's enormously heartening too, to hear the motivation that Jackson has to make change for his community. It starts with poverty, but you'll hear the absolute joy in his voice as he explains how re-educating farmers on the approaches that they take to the land is building an abundant future for those around him. I hope you'll enjoy listening. And if you'd like to follow along with everything from We Are Carbon, be sure to look us up on Instagram at wearecarbon.earth. Right, let's get stuck in. Hello, Jackson. Thank you ever so much for joining me today. Um, really appreciate you come in to share your story, a very exciting story um, regarding regenerative agriculture in your own local community in Tanzania. So before we talk about the work that you're doing at the moment, could you give us a little bit of background about yourself and your community? Yeah, my name is Jackson Buzingo. I am a Tanzanian youth. Um, based in the Kigoma region in Western Tanzania. And um, I was born in the 1980s and, uh, in a small district called the Kasul district um, with the two uh, smallholder farmers. Uh, these are my parents. So in my early years uh, of childhood, I got uh, engaged with the, the farming practices that in my, fam- that my family and my parents were working with. So um, during weekends, uh, while I started the school, then I, I was accompanied with my parents to go for, for, for the cultivation in the, in, uh, in the cultivation season. And uh, when um, we reached the time for harvest, we went all together. But uh, there was a tremendous change um, year to year uh, because the, um, in my early years, my family didn't have also um, enough income uh, for to sustain for the family, so they didn't use the um, chemical fertilizers because they had no money to buy uh, chemical fertilizers. So what they they used, they used to cultivate the soil, the land, the plot of land that we have, without uh, any input of chemical 
within the soil. And uh, we were lucky to God because uh, we got some some harvest after after the cultivation. But as time goes on, the situation was very worse because the the plot of land where we used it to cultivate the production was very little. And uh, in that year, I do remember very well, yeah, the, we, we had a very huge rain, and uh, the huge rain swept all away of our crops there, and then the situation was very bad. And after that, uh, we came back home very sad. My parents uh, told me that since you are the, you are, you, you are the firstborn, and that you are the elder one, uh, with your young brothers and sisters, so you have to find out how we can we, we can get out of this situation right now. So what I did, I started to look around uh, to some of the places where we can we can have some food. So I went some uh, in, in one of the of the Lich family to see in their dumps if there is any food. So I grabbed the food there. It was already expired, but it was uh, dumped within the, the dump. Then I, told, I took that food, and then uh, I brought back to home, and then we, I gave it to my mother, and then he, she filtered it so that he, we, can, we can use it for, for, the, for, for, the, for cooking what we call gari. This is a stiff porridge, as, uh, I can say. So the situation uh, from that moment uh, changed my mind that he, the situation uh, is going to be bad. So I started looking uh, and digging deep about what is the reasons and uh, the, the main challenges and problems that are facing my local communities here in agriculture. I found that uh, the soil, the soil infertility, is a great problem that he, and a great challenge that my community is facing. Because when I tracing back in the earlier years, the local communities didn't use chemical fertilizers. But right now, there is the overuse of chemical fertilizers. But in the little situation, even right now, after those more, more than 10 years ago, the situation is, 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 is more worse than that period because um, the soil has been depleted and it has nothing to give, it has exhausted at all. So that is why uh, I, I, I now started to, to think uh, how I can assist my community very well. So in Tanzania, it is very difficult to assist the communities, uh, even if your local community, without having an organization. Then. He, I started my own my own movement, but I didn't have uh, anyone to assist me. So I started to post uh, my activities in LinkedIn, and then uh, there's uh, two Swedish people uh, who saw my profile there, and then they started to reach me out. And they, these are the ones who were having the vision to establish one more organization uh, where I am being attached with. So from that moment, it, it was 2017 when I got connected with them. Then they told me that um, we, we, we would like to assist uh, developing countries. So since uh, based on your profile and based on, on what you have already doing, we are very uh, keen and very touched by your actions. So we want to assist you uh, 
to find your dream uh, come into reality. Then we we have a very uh, long communication and a conversation on how we can register our organization. And then uh, it was 2019, uh, on February, we got registered as a non-profit organization. So that was a very uh, huge story and a um, very long story that I encountered, that he, but it's luck to God that he, I got um, to the point where uh, my dream uh, was a, was a uh, coming into reality. Fantastic. That's a really lovely story. So you have seen within your local community the degrading of the land over a very, very quick time. Sure, because the chemical input um, uh, has been has been the main source for that. Because uh, my community, they, they what they use, they usually burn uh, all waste waste materials from the farms every year. Every year they keep burning, they keep burning. So uh, the soil is being depleted because of the little situation. But so far, the main reason of my 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 community uh, suffering. Uh, in agriculture, in the chemical, chemical fertilizers, chemical pesticides are the, are, are, the, are the ones that are killing our soil. Most of the crops that are being grown here, uh, maize and beans, uh, millet and, um, and others. But um, as time goes on, uh, even these crops that are, are normal are being used here uh, for cultivation. Uh, chemical fertilizers and chemical input um, has been has been used, but uh, most of the farmers are not able to buy fertilizers because they are being um, they are being sold in a very high price. So most of the farmers don't afford to buy fertilizers. So based based on the reality that their soil also has been depleted, so most of the farmers. Are failing to buy fertilizers, then they are they decide to to grow crops without using chemicals, and the soil, uh, who, who, since the soil has nothing to give, then their crops and the energy, yeah, that is a wasted energy because they they cultivate the soil, they grow crops, but and in the harvest they get nothing. So the the chemical fertilizers uh, is is making them. Uh, to, to suffer even uh, in more extreme poverty. Yeah, and this is a community where a huge percentage of the people are dependent upon the land for their incomes. Absolutely. More than 80%. More than 80%, yeah. So this is yeah. very, very impactful. And for yourself, it was a situation that you just couldn't ignore because of how important and significant this was. So in terms of... The, the tie to the land, this wasn't just about food production, this is about poverty in general and the declining yeah. um, situation regarding that. Yeah, in Tanzania, uh, particularly in even in my community, um, when I was also making a forum um, on the climate crisis that are happening all over the world, I just reflected in my community. We don't have companies. We don't have um, very high tech in, tech, uh, in, in, in farming and uh, other uh, other fields. But the reality here in my community is poverty, and the poverty is well associated with the chemical fertilizers and the climate change. So climate change as a as a main crisis 
due to the use of chemical fertilizer has led to the climate crisis here in my community. So even in my community, I don't um, I don't tell the, the farmers, I don't tell the people about the green gas emissions because if I can tell them, they don't know about that. But what I can tell them, and uh, to, in order them to understand me very well, I, saw, I, I told them about the impacts of the chemical fertilizers uh, to their health, as well to to their soil, to the soil, as well as uh, for the planet uh, ecosystem balance. Yeah. So you noticed the ecosystem was all tied in together with this whole the way that you're farming the land, the inputs that are being put in there. And I suppose that must also extend out into areas where trees are being cut. And it's just overall, it's depleting the land as opposed to supporting it. So um, in that regard, there's a huge situation globally. It's it's something that is incredibly at your feet there in Tanzania because um, I suppose the soils, it, the, the hot temperatures and the inputs, it's, it's very alarming the rate that you've seen the change. But this is actually a theme that is happening globally. And we're noticing that the soils are degrading and then it ties in with the water cycle too. Have you noticed a change with regards to the water and droughts or floods or anything like that where you are? Sure. I can tell this uh, firsthand because I have witnessed it in my local communities here. Um, we have uh, some, some of the livers here uh, in Kasul district and other regions also I have already witnessed that. Uh, most of the rivers that uh, has been the cornerstone for the agricultural activities, most of them has now uh, the the water quantity has now has now reduced the and it is very low. Particular, particularly uh, in my local community, there is was there was um, one river which was called the Kasuru River. Kasuru River is no longer there. Kasuru River it has already dried up, but it, Within 15 years ago, 10 years ago, Kasuri River was active, and Kasuri River was the was the one who the, was the was the one of the river uh, which was was assisting uh, the local communities in farming practices. But when I'm talking about that, the Kasuri River is has it has already extincted. It has gone extinct. So the situation is bad. We have also uh, Bogo River. Bogo River in Kasul District, Western Tanzania. The quantity of the water was very high, but right now, if you can go there, you can cry. You can cry a lot because the quantity of the water is astonishing. If you can also step the foot, your, your, your feet within the water, the water cannot cannot go very far, even to the uh, above of the toes. So it is very, it is very sad to see that. So, in the little situation, deforestation has led to that. Uh, or continued human activities in um, agriculture, particularly primitive farming methods that has been used uh, for the use of chemical fertilizers, uh, as well as the as well as the uh, planting of the trees. 
along along the source of liver, the trees that are are not friendly to the water sources has led to this situation uh, where climate change, climate crisis that has been witnessed in my community for the water issues. Yeah, so it's very devastating. You've noticed then that this has not just been declining output of crops. Have you had increased failure of crop completely? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so a huge impact locally. And fortunately, your local community have somebody like yourself, because what you have done over the past couple of years is very inspiring. You've taken a problem, you've witnessed it with your own experience, your own eyes, and you've decided something must be done. So you've mentioned to us already the organization and the need to work with an organization in order to make an impact for your local community. So you've started this back in 2017, got involved with One More Salary. And I think that that's something we'll maybe talk about a little later because I find that a very interesting part of what you're doing. Um, But in terms of you becoming aware something needs to change, we need to change our approach to the land, you have since gone off and done some training, haven't you? What opportunities did you find that were available to teach you about alternative methods to farming? Yeah, um, I have found a very good opportunities um, after after formation of the uh, one more salary. Um, I got a very high support from my Swedish colleagues uh, who are based in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, they, we had we made a, a lot of conversation uh, in order to push my my activities by, uh, to 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 the stage whereby my local communities can be assisted. And then in back in 2019, um, on November, uh, we got a support from from Tabea Beck from Germany. Uh, this is this is the program director program director of the International Aid Services, who. Um, was very willing also after seeing my activities also um, working with one more salary. Then he, she said that the international services will, will offer you a small project to do uh, in order to assist your community uh, practice farming that are eco-friendly without the primitive farming practice that they were doing. So this is what I did. And um, uh, the opportunities came uh, from opportunities um one after one because uh 2020 uh i was also uh, very um interested uh with the was one of the issues that were undertaken in climate change so i attended the course uh in a climate interactive then after attending the course, they gave me the they gave me the certificate for attending then they told me jackson can you do that? And I said that I, d- I can do that because uh, while I am I am training farmers about uh, practicing regenerative agriculture, they also do a great job in carbon sequestration within the soil. So I am also assisting the, the, the whole agenda of the world in fighting climate change. Then they say that uh, you have to be our ambassador. Then uh, they selected me to be the ambassador from that moment, other organizations also that are dealing with the food and agriculture, they saw that you are doing a great job. Then I got connected with them. 
that's why I can also be featured with other websites that Jackson are doing our our our, our, our common mission to save our planet. So you have to be on board also with us. Fantastic. And uh, yeah. when people watch through on this, I'll make sure that we include somewhere underneath or within the video a list of all the different organizations that you have worked with, because I think it's very important to see how these connect in with making real solutions and people like yourself taking up that um, opportunity and sharing the knowledge and taking a willingness to learn. So you found that there is a vast amount of information regarding regenerative agriculture that takes an entirely different approach to the soil. What are the main principles or some of them um, as examples that differ in terms of the practice that you're doing? Okay, for example, um, in my community, they practice monoculture. And the monoculture is very um, is very um, destructive method of our soil. But uh, in, in, in regenerative agriculture, I practice, I, I, I train them about the intercropping and the cover crops in order to assist it and protect the soil. Um, in a primitive method that, I, uh, that my community uses, they, once they, they make a harvest, after the harvest, they collect all waste products from the, the crop, the products that they have wasted there, they burn them. But in regenerative farming practices, what I do, I tell them about ensuring that they supply all waste within the farm in order to assist the soil, create moisture. Not in anything from the soil should be left within the soil to cover the soil so that it, the, 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 the works of the microbes within the soil can be in a very interactive way. Because within the soil, the nature interacts by itself. And it can work for us if we can invest in and know the value of underneath the underneath activities that is taking uh, on there. So there is a difference here uh, that I do uh, after even after cropping, uh, after making um, training to the farmers, we practice with them and I show them how it, uh, it is very important to prune particularly for the trees or, or for the for all um for all crops that are not needed within the farm yeah this is what i do yeah so you're adding a lot of matter back into the soil yeah. and you're valuing the soil sure. itself as though it's alive um yeah. fantastic so there's nothing overly high tech about the operations that you're doing it's all very much a willingness to learn knowledge and share knowledge have you found that the farmers within your local community who are used to doing things a different way, have they been eager to take up the lessons that you've got to teach them? Yeah, most of the farmers are, are very keen to, to learn from my method that I, I'm telling them. But uh, um, most other farmers are still reluctant because they, they believe that uh, chemical, chemical farming is the only method to assist them uh, out of poverty, out of food insecurity. So since these are the new uh, initiatives, uh, which they have already uh, forgotten, although they, these methods were, were available in the early years that indigenous communities used the same method, uh, 
but they don't care about that. So I have some farmers that are very focusing on what I'm telling them, but but others they're still reluctant. So it is very, it is very. Um, I I still have a long way to go in order to assist my community very well because uh, I have some challenges I face when I, I'm telling people. Yeah. 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 So there, there's um just a. I think uh, I've heard this a lot with the regenerative farming. There's a time period between putting things in action and seeing the benefits, and this is where I suppose the continued education farmers can then see with their own eyes the impact, and that's then the inspiration for them to maybe keep taking it a little bit more seriously and 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 taking up and putting that into action. So, I think you're right on track with what you're doing. Um, have you noticed that there's any resistance with regards to the actions that you're doing that are to regenerate the land? This means a shift in the inputs that you put into the soil. So the chemical fertilizers, you're encouraging people to stop using them. Has that caused any friction with um, along along the lines in terms of the companies that sell them? Yeah. Um... I have already faced the antagonism with the um, with other stakeholders in agriculture. For example, um, I was invited this this year. It was a it was July. I was invited by the uh, director of the National Food Security uh, from the Ministry of Agriculture to attend the UC dialogue that we are ongoing um, use, uh, food system dialogues that were convened by the United Nations, I was invited to attend there to the meet, to, to the to the dialogue. And then um, one of the issues that I lost there, I sticked on the action track for E, that it was based on nature positive production. And in nature, I, I see I insisted that because I know very well in my community, they are very well aligned with other issues from action track one, like traction two, action track two, four and five. But in action track number three, nature-based solutions, no. They are not full aligned at all. And I told him that in, in that dialogue that he, we have to make a transition here to we have to rely on the nature. So chemical fertilizers, pesticides can no longer be promoted here. I was very I was very, um, they, were, they were not very impressed with my, my, with my conversation and uh, my speech there, because uh, what they think that, he, they think that he, if, if I can go on with the um, promoting farmers and good genetic farming, then in the near future, chemical fertilizers will not be, will not be sold. So if they, they cannot be sold out the chemical fertilizers, then they are going also to lose some of the taxes. So even the government, in the government, there is a slight, there is a slight, and um, I can say hidden, hidden um, antagonism with us who are promoting uh, indigenous methods of cultivation, cultivation because they think that he, we are some sort of labels here. We don't want them to flourish. But what we do, we are doing, we are doing a very great job to assist our communities. So there's a challenge here. 
but he thanks to God, I am I am continuing um, with my fight. Yeah. So you're training in quite a number of ways. You have trained people within schools. You've trained um, farmers that are smallholders on their own land. How are you working with other people to do this? Yeah, I'm working with other people, particularly um, smallholder farmers, but I have also uh, included um, district officers who um, are basing in, um, in agriculture, community development, um, agroforestry. I have already also engaged with them and trained them about this method because they are also the ones who also uh, supervise the farmers. So. I thought that it would be great if I can involve them too. So I have a very good connection with them. Um, even the agriculture senior advisor of the of the whole regions, common regions, I and and the districts. We have already a very full um, relationship together with the what I'm doing here in my local community. So I am trying my best to reach to reach other people, but so far I'm. Very more forecasting with the smallholder farmers, because the smallholder farmers are the, are the ones uh, who feed my community. So, generally, there are many, many farmers with small plots. That's, sure, sure. That's what you're saying. Yeah. So, there's a, a a great number of people, and with regards to the food that you're growing and the smallholders are growing, is that to food? feed their own families as well? Sure. The situation is bad here. Yeah, they they cultivate and uh, grow the food, which is they, they use it, they use it for, 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 for selling in order to generate income. They also use it to feed their families. But most of the farmers, due to, due to lack of the capacity, particularly buying fertilizers, such are also very expensive. So most of the farmers after the harvest, they learn they, they are learning out of money and they are learning out of uh, facilities to assist them for the next uh, cultivation season. We are coming to September and um, October. So once we are coming there, the farmers, the, the money that has been generated from their uh, products, has already finished, and then they're coming to the new cultivation season. They don't have money to buy fertilizers. And they also facing a huge uh, food insecurity, although they are the ones who produce that food, because they used to sell, and they have very minimal food left to feed their families. So most of them, they, are, they, they, will, they will start now working for other people in other casual works in order to feed their families until next year when they they make a, they, they make also the harvest again but if if the soil if they will plant it without using chemicals then the situation will be even worse yeah. yeah so they need this education in between to rebuild the soil and make it more productive again sure sure and that is that is what i do and that is what i want to see very well in my community that my community can build back the future with the soil health i want to establish more food forest here 
because it because the, it, this will build and produces abundance abundance yields that are very essential for food security to 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 ensure food security to ensure um uh, the fight against the climate change particularly the carbon sequestration in the soil as well as the poverty uh, reduction because in my community i have to do both yeah yeah it's all incredibly tied together with the you've just mentioned food forests and you mentioned intercropping earlier are you introducing a greater variety of crops locally yeah so i am planning to establish more food forests because it's also uh, amazing. It's a game changer. And um, if I can, in, I, I can establish syntropic agroforestry in my community, it's also the form of regenerative farming, but this is a, um, it's, the, it's a beyond organic, it's a beyond sustainable because it produces abundance. It gives everything that you need within the farm in order to assist our planet, our health, and everything. For example, um, I can say that in my community, particularly, for example, if I want to assist my farmers uh, fight poverty in my community, syntropic agroforestry or genetic agroforestry, this is, a, is the best method I can use because it produces abundance. The farmer can be able to, to get uh, enough yields for for the family, enough yields that she, she, he or she can sell, enough yields that assists the nourishing the soil. And if, I, if he or she can practice in tropical forestry, then he, she will no longer at any let to buy fertilizers. He, he, because the fertilizer will not be needed out there because the soil will be healthy. And, uh, Everything that you put within the soil, it will grow because what you have to do is to invest within the nature. So you have to build and create the, the situation and the condition for the nature to fly. Then after you have already do after after doing that, then the nature will work for you. So you have to work for nature and then nature will work for you because the nature is very intelligent. Yes, it sounds very, very beautiful and exciting. Have you got anybody, do you, do you foresee in the future many of the bare fields that are owned by the smallholders, do you see any of those being transformed into these kind of food forests? Yeah, there are so many areas that smallholder farmers have, uh, have that, are bare, that has a bare soil. And I am... Um, because they don't have these skills, so you can find that the bare, the bare soil and the bare land that they have, um, they, they are not they are not growing any food. Uh, they are not growing any crops there. So what I am planning to do, um, based on the reality that if I can get funding for for conducting these projects, because this this project needs some funding because they are huge, because I have to buy trees. I have to establish um, seed beds. I have to buy some seed seed uh, in order to demonstrate and also uh, to assist the farmers also to, to supply those seeds to the farmers because most of them are, are, are suffering with poverty. So in order to assist them, I have to, to establish some sort of that so that he, I can be able to show them firsthand that he, this is what I mean. When I want to establish food forestry, I mean like this. 
when you see, uh, when they see also within the, the bare soil that has been transformed uh, to be food forest. Yeah. It's all incredibly um, inspiring, very inspiring. And um, I'm absolutely certain that when you, that the more that you engage people with this and are able in particular to demonstrate a result, then it's going to keep spreading and keep having a great uptake. So it's very exciting. The we mentioned earlier one more salary, and these are these are actually an organisation that you've been part of the very beginning of. Is that right? That they got in touch with you because you were showing a interest, you were showing an engagement and fantastic activities locally, and they got in touch with you and said, would you be interested in being involved? So this kind of organization, they're not um, government that's supporting you. They're not a, um, they're not a mandatory support system, but this is why you're going from step to step because you're finding that there are organizations that are prepared to provide the training and also the opportunities that you need to to get the information. So how do they work? Is this about, is it as simple as technology? You've said at the beginning, you connected on LinkedIn and were able to get in touch with people in Sweden that, that saw what you was up to. Do you find that an awful lot of what you're doing in terms of the networking is very simply that kind of um, technology like LinkedIn? One more, sorry. Um... Is a, is a main organization that I'm working with. And I'm working with one more salary on a volunteer basis. I don't have a uh, monthly salary for, for, the, for, for the organization. Um, I am very impressed and I'm so interested in leading organization because this is what I, I want to, to do in my community. And um, other organizations that I'm working with, they are very well aligned with the uh, with our mission. For example, I have a a, a good connection with the um, global network, but uh, I don't have any activities that I do in the global global scale. What I do, I do in my local community. So this is what uh, I think the for, for those also organizations that I'm working with are interconnected because when I'm talking about the uh, food production. Food production should be healthy. I was invited to be a guest, guest speaker at one of the organizations which is called the um, uh, Tanzania Girl Guide Scouts. This is a, um, is, is a sister organization of the World Association of Girls Guide and the Scouts, WAGIS it's called. Yeah, I was invited there to, to speak about uh, girl power nutrition. So they are promoting about nutrition. And uh, in my speech there, I told them that you have to, to, to produce a good nutrition that is much healthier. You have to rely on the nature producing that food. So you cannot escape food production that is well aligned with the uh, regenerative farming and uh, regenerative agroforestry that can produce this abundance abundancy nutrition that is very essential for everything for the nature for the soil for the people and for our planet so these organizations that i'm doing i'm, I'm working with are interconnected and uh, 
much well aligned. And most of them of the this organization, I was being um I was being invited to be part of them. That he, Jackson, you are doing some amazing job here in Tanzania. And then he, we wish to have you on board. Then I say, no problem. We can work together because I'm also I'm also happy to see the challenges that I'm solving here in my community. Can he, are, are very well aligned and um, can impact my the 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 whole world and our our global uh, challenge. I am also very um, um, challenging myself because uh, what I what I focus even myself is to see that uh, my voice is very well amplified throughout the my community within the government as well as the, in the global scale. Then uh, this is why um, I this was the first time when I got in, I got an invitation. A formal with a formal letter from the Ministry of Agriculture, uh, inviting me to attend the youth dialogue. That is a among the 60, 60 youth within within Tanzania that are very well involved with the, the food and agriculture. I was the one also among these these young people who were invited, and uh, I was invited by the national. By, by the director of the National Food Security, who is a UN official uh, food system dialogue convener that has been that was uh, that has been appointed appointed by the United Nations as the as the convener for for Tanzania. So it was very very first time for me to be invited by the high ranking official from that position. But uh, I am so happy because. Uh, my my uh, involvement in agriculture and what I am trying to showcase in my community has been amplified uh, even in the national level. So I'm so happy for that. Yeah, congratulations! It's it's very yeah very exciting. Thank you so much. And it's wonderful to hear that people are <laughs> recognizing what you do um, and keep inviting you because your willingness to keep sharing is making such a difference. It sounds like you've got a huge amount of ideas and a huge amount of projects that you're involved in. Can you imagine a future for your community where it is regenerated and it is prospering? Yeah, um, if my community um, will be full committed with the quality I'm training them, I think uh, and I'm confident that they can transform their own lives and their livelihood. They can assist the, uh, the nature balance and 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 um, the nature to thrive itself, so that it can it can produce abundance for for our food uh, security as well for fighting climate change in my community. Because uh, what I want to see and what I wish to see um, is is my community to to be in a little situation whereby they can. The, the coming generation can see that there is a change and the change that has made has has taken this community from one level to another a good a good level to more better level uh from where it is now yeah i think that you're doing wonderful things and i think that it must be being 
it, it must be starting to show results because this is, like you've said, 2019 onwards. We're only talking a couple of years, but you, you're already making a huge difference. And it's <laughs> people are seeing that that's the case and you're being propelled into more and more directions. So um, it would be fantastic if you keep in touch and let us know how it's all going. It would be really, really interesting for us. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm so happy for that. Yeah, that just all these new opportunities for you. It must be a lot to learn, a lot to take on, but very exciting. Well, thank you so much for sharing today. You've you've shared something very inspirational for people, and I think even outside of your own community, it's an inspiration for people to recognise that that they can get involved, they can make a difference. And I think it's going to continue for you because um, the, the more that people recognize and see um, and hear about what you're doing, the more people are going to uh, be interested in sharing that. So all the very, very best for everything that you're doing. Okay, thank you so much, Helen. And thank you for listening to this episode of We Are Carbon. Next time, we'll be hearing from Christo Miliotis, doctor and soil scientist in Australia, who helps us to dive deeper into the life and interactions within the soil. Have you ever wondered how forests and woodland keep on thriving year after year without any added fertilisers? Perhaps not. But now that I've mentioned it, maybe it'll get you thinking. Christo has some great insights. So don't forget to subscribe to be notified when it's out. You can keep up to date with everything from We Are Carbon by signing up on the website or following along on Instagram. Search for wearecarbon.earth. And let's keep figuring this all out together.